Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Well Then, where we are continuing to explore all things love, relationships, and dating, and how that ultimately has an impact on our overall well being and how we can improve our love lives to have the experiences that we truly desire. So, today's episode is an a chat that I'm really excited to explore with you guys. It's an episode that I've been wanting to record for quite some time that was inspired by a question somebody asked me in an Instagram question box last year. And I had kind of posed the question to my audience of, of what is it that you want to know in the realm of love and relationships? What do you want to know about me? And somebody asked the question specifically for me, what type of men do I attract? So today I'm really excited to dive into that because it is definitely not a simple answer in that there's not just one type of man that I've attracted throughout the course of my dating history. And it's really dependent on a lot of different factors. So I'm going to share some, some insights that will probably be relevant and applicable to your life in some way as well. We're going to be talking a bit about attachment styles, trauma bonding, and how we attract from our current level of consciousness and self-awareness, because that's really what it comes down to. We attract based on who we are, based on how we are showing up, what we are reflecting out into the world. And so as we grow and evolve and change, so do the types of partners that show up in our lives. And you'll oftentimes see people who are stuck in a particular pattern of ending up with one specific kind of person. Like they always end up with the same type of guy and the same type of relationship pattern. And it seems like it's a never ending cycle that they just have on loop. And oftentimes that's because they haven't grown beyond that level of consciousness. They haven't explored that part of themselves and done the deeper shadow work to unearth why that pattern keeps showing up for them. So naturally they keep attracting it, whether that means staying in the same unhealthy relationship or just ending up in a pattern with similar types of partners over the years. And this can also apply for people who are seemingly not attracting anybody at all. People who are like, I feel like I'm doing, you know, all the right things. I'm putting myself out there and nobody's showing up. Like, why does it feel like it's just crickets in the dating world? And then when you look at people who have been really committed to their personal growth and evolution, and you kind of follow their dating history and dating stories, you'll probably see the trend that as they grow and evolve, the people that show up in their lives reflect that level of consciousness. So for me personally, as I've grown throughout, let's say the last 10 years or so, because You know, we could even talk about teenage relationships and dating in high school and college, but I think it gets even more interesting uh, and relevant the, the more you step into adulthood and out of your, you know, childhood home and out of that kind of smaller community that you grew up in, you can really start to see the patterns show up in your dating life. So as I've grown over the last 10 or so years, the types of men that I've attracted have changed dramatically. (laughs) And we'll get into some specifics, but, you know, everything from totally toxic and even narcissistic 
personality disorder to emotionally unavailable to guys with Peter Pan syndrome to really great men, but just not the right fit for me or not the right timing. And the thing that I realized was a pattern for me throughout all of that was noticing where I was at in my level of consciousness and how that reflected who I, A, who showed up at the time, but then B, who I chose. Because I think that's something that we um, neglect to realize that, yes, we might attract certain types of people into our lives and you, you might get hit on or asked out by the same type of person over and over, but there's also the element of choice involved. Like if you are continuing to say yes to that type of person again and again, that's where your power lies in changing these patterns. And I think sometimes we give our power away and can feel powerless by saying like, oh, this is the only type of person who keeps showing up for me, whether it's guy, girl, whoever you're interested in, that can put you in this position of feeling like, you know, it's the universe's fault and you have no power or say in the matter. But when you realize that you're the one who's actually choosing to say yes to those people and to end up in those patterns again and again, it can help you self-reflect on what your role in your own love life is and where you can take accountability and responsibility. So let's get into some specifics and, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to name names or get too specifics with the type of people just because I want to protect their privacy. Um, and some of these people are, are people that I dated for a long time. Some of them, it was just a, a, a couple dates, a handful of dates or like a month, you know, long dating experience. And you'll see throughout my story that the time isn't necessarily relevant. It's more so what you learn in that amount of time. And certainly I took longer to learn lessons when I was in my early twenties and when I was younger than I did in my later twenties. So at a time when I thought that my body was the most important thing about me, for example, when I was really focused on making my body look what I thought, you know, quote unquote, was perfect or what it was supposed to look like and was super focused on my external appearance, I attracted men who were mostly just interested in my body. And that's not to say that they were using me per se, but that that was the sole focus of the attraction in our relationship. And that oftentimes, you know, it was the same on my end. Like I was really, really physically attracted to them. And because of that, I was ignoring all the other reasons why they weren't right for me. And they would often make comments about my body and my appearance. And on the surface, you know, that seems great. Like if you're enjoying getting those compliments, but then for me, I started to realize like, oh, my body is actually something that a, it's the least important part about me. My appearance, you know, matters so much less than who I am as a person. And also my body's temporary, it's going to change. And when I really started to dive into the work of body empowerment and self-love and self-acceptance and letting my body um, change and flow more and having a little bit more grace with it, rather than trying to force it to fit some societal standard that I thought I needed to, to measure up to, then it brought in the insecurity of like, uh oh, well, if this guy is only with me because he thought that he really liked my body, thought I was really hot, 
then what happens when my body changes? Am I not going to have value for him anymore? So that was a whole level and layer of insecurity that I had to start to work through. And the more I did, the, the less I started to attract men who's like first thing that they would comment on was my body, even just like being catcalled in the street kind of thing, the less focus and emphasis I put on my physical body. And that's not to say that I like stopped caring about my health, but the less emphasis I put energetically on thinking that my appearance was so important, the less men would comment on it in a way that felt, um, unwanted. It just, whether it was inappropriate or not, it just was attention that I didn't want in that way. So that started to shift, but not until I took ownership of that pattern. Um, another example is when I thought that criticism was an expression of love, you know, thanks mostly in part to what my childhood experience was and how um, hard I was on myself as well. I thought that if you criticize somebody, you must love them. And that's, that's an expression of how much you care about them. I attracted men who were overly critical and that kept me in that dynamic where it felt like, oh, they're saying these things because they care about me. And so I have to, you know, try to measure up to, to their ideal of what I should be. And ultimately it got to a point where I realized like, oh, you know what, you're just wanting me to, to shape me into somebody that I'm not. And to a certain degree, I'm wanting to do the same with you. And that's, that's really not what love is about. And it's not very healthy and it's ultimately not fulfilling. It's just not what I'm interested in. So within myself, I had to work on that element of not perceiving criticism as love and changing the types of communication that I expected in relationship, as well as how I communicated to others and ultimately increasing my self-worth and knowing that I was worthy of being loved exactly as I was in that moment. And that also helped reveal another pattern to me. When I thought that I wasn't worth choosing, I was attracted to men who just wouldn't choose me. There was a long period of time where because my self-worth was so low, because I was overly critical of myself and didn't necessarily believe in my worth, I would choose men who either were not interested in commitment or were, you know, dating multiple women and not being totally upfront or honest about it, or just would put me in a situation where it's like the situationship kind of thing where they're wanting to text and hang out and, and be intimate on their terms when it suits them. And then going periods of time where they ghost me or are unresponsive. And I'm left in this limbo of like, okay, what actually are we? And there were multiple situations with guys that I dated where I would keep myself in this limbo for so long because I so desperately wanted them to choose me without realizing that I had this underlying belief that I didn't think that I was worthy of being chosen. And in two of those scenarios, the next person that they went on to date, they actually decided to commit to settle down with be monogamous and, um, even one of them got engaged. And for me, that brought up so many of those underlying 
beliefs of like, wow, see, I really wasn't worth being chosen because he chose the very next person over me. And it really had me examine the parts of myself of why do I believe that I'm not worth being chosen? And, and beyond that, why am I allowing myself to stay in situations where I'm not being chosen? Why am I trying to prove that belief to myself and make it true? And it was, that was probably one of the bigger lessons throughout the course of my, my dating life in my twenties was working on this core belief that I didn't think that I was worthy of being chosen or that I would be chosen or that if I was, they would leave because I had fears of abandonment and rejection as many of us do. (laughs) And it felt like such a powerless situation to be in because it felt like I'm just waiting for somebody to show up and choose me. And what I finally realized was that I have to be the one to choose myself. I have to be the one to show up for myself, love myself, treat myself how I want to be treated by a partner and do the things that I want to do in relationship and not wait for somebody else to do all of that for me. I had to show up and do the work first. And that was really uncomfortable and not fun at times. And it took a lot of time to to be okay with that, to accept it, to get comfortable with it, and then ultimately to embrace it and feel really empowered by it. And when I did, then finally I stopped attracting men who weren't going to choose me. I stopped. And and that's the, that's the order of things going back to what I was saying before. First, I had to stop choosing them. I had to stop putting myself in situationships and in dynamics where I wasn't being chosen. And then over time, I would stop actually attracting men like that. So it wasn't even a matter of choice anymore. And that kind of led into a chapter then where I realized that when I wasn't fully available to feel all of my emotions, I attracted emotionally unavailable men. And this is one of the big ones that I want to talk about because I see this pattern so, so often with women in particular. I see it with men as well, but I I primarily work with women and I see this pattern where they feel like they're always ending up with emotionally unavailable men. And they're like, oh, why do I always, always attract the person who is either physically, mentally, or emotionally unavailable? Like you meet somebody great, but then they're moving like out of state or out of the country the next week, or you meet somebody great, but they're like going through a really messy breakup or divorce. And so they're really not available for the type of relationship you want, or you meet somebody great, but they aren't actually available to love because they've closed off that part of themselves due to their own past patterns, wounds, and trauma and experiences in, in childhood and in love and in relationships. And they aren't willing to do the work themselves to become emotionally available. There's all these reasons why somebody might not be emotionally available. And it can be frustrating when you feel like you're the one who wants a committed relationship. But one of the most important realizations that you can have, which is also one of the hardest pills to swallow, is that if you are constantly ending up with emotionally unavailable people, you yourself are very likely emotionally unavailable as well. And when I first started grappling with that, I was like, fighting with myself saying like, no, I'm not the unavailable one. Like I, 
you know, have done all this work on myself and I really want love and I'm so clear on what I want in a partner. And yet I was still choosing to be pursuing or pursued by people who didn't want what I want or people who were not available to the degree that I said I wanted. And the, the deeper I, I dug and the more I reflected, what I finally came to realize was, oh yeah, there actually is a really big part of me who feels like it's safer to choose emotionally unavailable partners because you can't really be hurt by somebody who's emotionally unavailable, not to the same extent that you can be hurt by somebody who you've fully bared your whole heart and soul to. Yes, you can be sad and hurt and frustrated that you're in this cycle and that they're not choosing you and you want them to choose you or they're not showing up in the way that you want. But that's a different kind of pain than the pain of knowing that you gave a relationship your all, that you fully bared your soul and were completely vulnerable and intimate with somebody and that they were vulnerable and intimate with you and you shared this deep, raw, rich connection and then it didn't work out. That kind of pain for most people is so unbearable. If they've felt it once, they're often not willing to take the risk to feel it again. And so this invisible unconscious wall can go up where we start choosing emotionally unavailable people because we know we're a little bit safer with them. We know that with them, we won't get like totally obliterated in that raw and brutal way that we did before that we might not get what we want, but at least we won't get destroyed in the process. And so doing the work to confront that part of ourself is scary as hell. It's painful and uncomfortable because we have to realize that we actually are the one perpetuating the pattern that we've been so frustrated by. We have to take ownership of that. And then we have to really get clear and see where we're willing and unwilling to love and be loved. And I stayed in that pattern for quite a while of choosing to be attracted to and choosing to stay in dynamics with emotionally unavailable men who weren't fully going to show up for the kind of relationship that I wanted because I wasn't fully available to feel all of my emotions and to take the risk that love inherently is. And I think what's really powerful about that is knowing that it's okay to be in that place if you're aware of it and you're consciously working through what's coming up for you in your own timing and in your own process. Like when you see that pattern, you don't have to immediately dive through the fear and do all the work. Like you can really take your time with it and know that like, okay, wow, now I see that this is what's going on. And now that I see it, I can keep choosing it or not. I can start to slowly make different choices and chip away at that invisible wall, that barrier that I've built. And so I did that over time and it did take time for me. And what was really beautiful about that process for me is that once I finally did clear that block and started to become more emotionally available to myself to feel all the feelings that were coming up in my day-to-day life about whatever, whatever current or past pains, hurts, joys, loves, all the things, when I became more willing to feel all of that, 
I actually just started to experience more and more joy and fulfillment in my own life. I started to trust myself more. I started to do more of the things that I love and spend time with the people that were fulfilling and really cut off or fizzle out all the ones that were unfulfilling or unaligned with my truth and with what I really wanted. And when I got to that place, I personally finally arrived to this place where dating and relationship wasn't actually the most important thing for me anymore. I had spent so many years, the better part of a decade, just like dying to be in relationship with my quote unquote soulmate to meet the one, to have that like epic love story and really to have that be like the defining thing about me that gave me value. I placed so much of my worth and value in being in relationship and meeting that person who was going to like fill this empty void within me. And when I went through this path of doing all this work, deep, uncomfortable shadow work, and got to the place where I was like, finally feeling, oh my gosh, I actually don't need relationship in the way that I thought I once did. It's something that I still want in my long-term kind of vision for my life, but I don't need it right now, right this second in order to give me fulfillment, in order to give me peace, in order to like quell my anxiety. And that was the biggest relief and the most unexpected surprise in the whole history of my dating life and experience. I don't think I ever even imagined that it was possible to get to that point. I thought that like I could just feel kind of okay being single, but not actually fully choose it and embrace it and feel so fully emotionally available to myself that I was willing to wait for the right partner rather than just to choose somebody who was going to play out an old pattern of mine and help me feel less alone. So that was a really big turning point. And from that point on, when I would choose to engage in dating more, even more casually, the men that I started to attract were a lot, (laughs) I want to say like better people, (laughs) more aligned in general. Um, They were, they were, yeah, I'd say that they were like better in terms of quality of what I was looking for and had more of the qualities on the list of, of what I'm looking for. They, they were great men. And I was able to acknowledge when it wasn't the right fit or the right timing for me. Whereas in the past, I might've said like, oh, I need to make this work because of all these reasons why they are great rather than ignoring the reasons why it wasn't a good fit. And there can be so many reasons why somebody could have a lot of things that you desire, but ultimately not be a good fit for you. It can be, you know, chemistry. It could be, it could be something logistical in terms of lifestyle. Like maybe this person's really great, but you both want to live in really different places or you have different visions for what your future and your life looks like when you get to the point of wanting to have family or whatever it might be. Um, Or it could just be the wrong timing. Like they're really great, but you are super focused on your career or your own internal personal healing journey. And you're wanting to dedicate and devote time to other areas of your life. And you know that you don't have the time to devote to growing a relationship and that's okay. It's okay 
to acknowledge that somebody could be a really great person and just not be the right person for you at this time and this chapter in your life. And it's a lot easier to do that when you've gotten to a place where you've cleared a lot of the old blocks. So you don't feel that need or pressure to settle down or to choose somebody just to not be alone. So those are just a few <laughs> of the many examples of, of all the different ways that you know, I've personally experienced attraction in my life and who shows up in my dating life. But the same could be said for any type of experience that is our primary energetic experience. So attachment styles is one thing I referenced in the beginning. And um, if you're not familiar with attachment styles, I have some other resources on them and you can learn all about them in the self-care space and really dive into discovering your own attachment style and how it shows up in your love life. But just as an example, for somebody who has, let's say an unhealed or unaddressed attachment style of anxious attachment, that kind of person ideally needs to be with a partner who has a secure attachment style and who can really see and meet and honor their needs. Um, while that person with anxious attachment is also working on healing and addressing their own triggers and trauma and past experiences. But the reality is that somebody with unhealed or unaddressed anxious attachment will very likely attract somebody with avoidant attachment because of the law of polarity. Like everything must have its um, opposite. And polarity is what often creates attraction between people. We have these two opposing poles pushing up against each other to create that, that friction that is just um, powerful enough to be sexy, to be attractive, to be alluring. Because when there's too much sameness, then you have more like platonic friendship. And you don't have the excitement, the dynamic, the friction that can create um, romantic attraction. And so somebody with anxious uh, attachment style is in there, you know, feeling like they need all this attention and validation and affirmation. And somebody with avoidant attachment style is pretty much the opposite of that. When the more kind of interest they see, the more they feel repelled and are inclined to run the other direction. And so that then of course pushes the buttons of the anxious attached partner in this dynamic to feel even more anxious, to feel even more insecure, to feel like their needs aren't getting met. And there's part of them, there's part of both people in this dynamic that can feel like even though this is driving them crazy and it's so uncomfortable, it's also familiar because it's probably based on the pattern of where their attachment style developed in the first place from childhood, where insecure love felt like what they knew love to be. And so even though it's not great, it's familiar. And it's often why we attract those kinds of dynamics. Trauma bonding is another example. If you've been in a partnership with somebody where you've experienced um, any kind of abusive behavior, whether physical, um, mental, emotional, sexual, any kind of abuse and have ended up in a dynamic where you feel bonded to the, the perpetuator, the abuser, um, which is really common and can happen in so many instances. The um, 
attachment that the abused person feels for their abuser, especially in recurring and cyclical patterns um, of abuse can make it very hard for them to leave. Um, but when they do leave, it can also uh, create a pattern where they are then calling in partners essentially who reflect that same type of bond, that same feeling that they experienced in the abusive relationship, which is how sometimes people can end up in cycles of toxic or unhealthy or even abusive relationships because it's what's familiar to them. So all of that is to say, if you're noticing themes or patterns in your love life that you don't like, if you feel like oh, I keep attracting the same type of person, it is your job and responsibility to look at where those patterns come from and what there is for you to do in order to start to make different choices because our attraction feels like something that's out of our control. Like, oh, I can't help who I'm attracted to. And to some degree, that's true. It is primal in many ways, but you can actually change who you are attracted to by changing who you're choosing. It's kind of like the more you start to eat really healthy, whole, organic, nutritious foods, the more you start to crave those and the less you crave the unhealthy processed stuff. And in fact, the more you are actually turned off and repulsed by the unhealthy processed stuff because your body is used to the cleaner, healthier food. It's very similar in dating. The more you start to choose healthier patterns and dynamics, the more alluring and attractive those will feel to you. So it is, you know, a process. It does take some work for me. All of the examples I just walked you through were over the course of like 10 years of my life. And, um, it did take me a while to get to a place where I felt emotionally available, securely attached, and just really confident and grounded in who I was and had high self-worth and was very clear on what I wanted in relationships. So I could say no to anything that wasn't that, um, and I love that somebody asked this question, what type of men do you attract? Because it isn't as simple as saying like, oh, I always end up with, you know, this type of guy who looks this way and has this job and acts this way. Like it really evolves and as you evolve and grow. So I hope that that helped you reflect on your own love life uh, to some degree. And if you are curious about diving into your own patterns and exploring how you can heal the parts of attraction and the patterns that haven't been working for you, I do this work one-on-one -on -one with clients, um, as well as in group settings. So you can learn more about my one-on-one -on -one coaching, um, by going to my website, which is meganshare.com. And if you're interested in more of a group setting and affordable option, um, you can explore a lot of these resources in my mental health membership the self-care space, um, which you can also find in the show notes, but it's yourselfcarespace.com. If you know anybody who this might resonate with, because a lot of us have friends who are always choosing and chasing unhealthy, toxic, emotionally unavailable guys uh, or partners, please send this to them so that they can reflect a little bit and learn and grow in their own love life. I'm sure that you know, as their friend, you want the best for them. <laughs> um, so share the love and pay it forward. And if you have other questions that you would like to hear me answer on the podcast, whether about my own love life or how to improve yours, feel free to send them in to me on Instagram or um, send me a message on my website. And I would love to dive into those conversations with you. And Make sure you're also following me on TikTok because I have lots of fun little um, educational pieces on there when it comes to love and dating and relationships. And you can find me there at Heal with Megs. 
So again, I hope this was supportive for you. And until next time, I can't wait to dive into more conversations on love, relationships, and dating. And I hope you have the most happy, healthy, and love-filled day.